Resilient Cyber Podcast brings you conversations from diverse cybersecurity professionals, ranging from executives, subject matter experts, and aspiring entrants. Today's diverse threat landscape requires systems that can withstand a variety of cyber incidents, remaining trustworthy and secure. Thank you for joining the Resilient Cyber Show. My name is Chris Hughes, along with my co-host, Dr. Nikki Robinson. Hey, everybody. Today, we're joined by Bob Zukas. Bob, thank you for being here. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, definitely. We're excited to chat with you. So for folks that don't know you, haven't read your book, haven't read your articles, you know, haven't been through one of your courses, do you mind telling us a bit about your background and what you're up to these days? Yeah, yeah. Great to be here I'm with, with Nikki and you, Chris. Um, 30 years as a partner at PricewaterhouseCoopers, lived and worked all over the world, um, China to uh, Saudi Arabia to uh, a decade in Japan to the UK as well. Uh, letter IT strategy and ops practice when I retired um, several years ago. And since then, I've been uh, building, um, working with leaders like like you and Nikki to, to build the practice and profession of digital and cybersecurity risk oversight in corporate boards around the world. I'm a adjunct professor at the USC Marshall School of Business um, and a rabid uh, Kansas City Chiefs fan. So I was happy with our draft results last night. That's awesome. Yeah. So to, to level set a little bit, you know, I actually have been through your course for, for Digital Directors Network and, uh, you know, read both your books, the first edition and the second edition, as I talked about here. And in that book, you talked about, you know, how 60 percent, I think it is, of GDP, global GDP, right, is, is you know, tied to digital platforms now based on the, the World Economic Forum, I think it is, that said that. Um, you know, and now we're seeing this push, right, for cybersecurity expertise in the boardroom. So my question is, like, you know, how did we get here? How did we get to the point where 60% of global GDP is tied to this and we're just now bringing this level of expertise to the conversation and to the table? Yeah, I, I'd say it's, it's, it's a symptom of we're, we're better at innovating with these technologies and kind of shaping and creating a world that meets the demands and needs and wants of 8 billion people uh, than we are at understanding the risks of that world that we've created. So, um, you know, and boards tend to lag significantly what's happening in the marketplace and the pace of innovation has been so fast here that the governance and controlling the risks uh, haven't kept up. And so so we see situations like solar winds where the, you know, the attack strategy isn't to attack solar winds. The attack strategy is to attack a weak point in the system and have the biggest uh, you know, threat surface, biggest impact surface uh, as possible. Um, so the, the attackers and the hackers have figured that out, but we haven't figured out how to defend ourselves yet. Yeah, it's it's a it's a really good point, and um, I, I wanted to uh, talk a little bit about the article um, you were talking about. The um, uh, SEC is mandating cyber leadership, uh, you know, specifically into boardrooms, which we're going to be talking a lot about today. Um, do you think that the type of experience expected on boards um, should be geared specifically to risk management, or do you think that there should be a mix of technical governance, um, sort of a, a good mix between um, cybersecurity domains? Yeah, that's, that's part of the challenge is part of the challenge has been what does that person, what does that skill capability and competency look like? Um, we, we defined that we put a little, some meat on the bones as to what those skills and capabilities look like. And it's not a singular domain, as you guys know, the complex digital business systems made up of a lot of very uh, complicated domains, information architecture, data, cybersecurity is a part of that domain. Uh, we've identified eight domains that comprise the, the complex digital business system, what the SEC wants, uh, which is exactly what they wanted when they when they mandated 
financial expertise into the boardroom 20 years ago. And I always bring people back to that point in regard to, to cyber risk. Remember, it was only 20 years ago when it was a novel concept to have somebody on a board that understood a financial statement. And it took literally the existential threat to the capital markets uh, that existed if we had lost confidence in financial reporting to force the SEC to mandate that. And so now we've got, uh, you know, existential risks in a lot of regards from from a cyber perspective when these attacks can shut down a company um, and, you know, companies haven't shown the will or the ability or the aptitude to act to fix their own problem, the SEC steps in. And so what they want is they want people that have done this work before and they want people that have cut into this issue before. So practitioners, practitioners that have uh, formal educations, uh, you know, they've acquired skills in a structured way. They've applied those skills to the actual task, to the actual job uh, of protecting and defending uh, companies against the complex risk environment that exists um, out in the marketplace right now. Yeah, it kind of seems like the epitome. We've all heard the term, you know, uh, build security and verse bolted on. This is like the epitome at the highest level, right? Like it, it, the entire global economy is dependent on these digital systems. And now here we are, like trying to make in this expertise, you know, many years later than we, we likely should have. Um, you know, one thing I wanted to ask you, too, is you talked about like, you know, organizations looking to fill these roles to meet that SEC requirement, for example. But also this is opportunity for cybersecurity professionals that want to operate at that yeah. level. Right. You know, for those looking to fill some of those upcoming upcoming uh, board opportunities, you know, what recommendation recommendations do you have from them in terms of skill sets or courses or education? Like what can they do to, to position themselves to you know be one of those professionals to fill those roles? Yeah, Chris. And this is so we started Digital Directors Network four years ago ex exclusively for that purpose. We wanted to curate a pool of, uh, of leaders that understood this problem, that saw the problem, that wanted to begin to work towards uh, solving the problem. So but part, part of what our mandate was. Uh, was to uh, recognize that the demand for these skills and capabilities at the governance level would evolve and or explode at some level, explode if there's some kind of regulatory driver, evolve uh, into um, you know a recognized and a growing need by companies that they need these skills and capabilities. So, so DDN is, is, is solving that problem by building the, the practice and profession of digital and cybersecurity risk oversight. If, if you want to start your path to the, to the boardroom, uh, there are no shortcuts. Uh, you've got, it's, it's a sweat equity exercise. You've got to get networked. You've got to get, build your board brand. You've got to get networked into the board community. And it's kind of a funky community. It's a lot of shadow communities that work through word of mouth and, and uh, you know, the strength of uh, the relationships that you have. But it's, it's no different than any executive. And, you know, when they've, they've wanted to pursue something throughout their careers, there are no shortcuts. There are no websites that list hundreds upon thousands of corporate board seats that, uh, uh, you know, are, are the corporate boards that have fiduciary responsibilities that you would want to be a part of. Uh, so you just got to get engaged. You got to get uh, developed. You have to start to invest in yourself, understand what corporate governance is and start to network with the right points uh, of contact and influence out in the marketplace. Yeah, I love that. Real, uh, real quick on that. No, I love that parallels to just the broader, you know, operating within the career field, how, how important networking is, relationships, you know, things like that. And then as far as the DDN uh, course goes, I can attest that I took it last year because it was an area I was interested in. And, you know, I have a lot of cybersecurity background, but I don't have a lot of board knowledge when it comes to corporate structures and things like that. So I learned quite a bit throughout that course uh, to fill gaps that I had in my own personal knowledge. So it's a great course to check out. 
Yeah, and Chris, what, what we actually did, and, and Nikki will love to hear this. So um, the, the, the the gender movement in, in corporate governance has been, been a big uh, thing over the last decade. And, you know, w- women didn't take no for an answer. They recognize a significant gender gap on corporate boards around the world, actually. And um, so, so that was always viewed as kind of a leading practice. It actually didn't start to move until there were mandates put in place. There were laws put in place that said you need to have some level of gender uh, uh, representation on your corporate board. Um, NASDAQ has listing standards now to that effect. Uh, Norway uh, famously led the globe the world in that. And so once we put these mandates in place, then we saw the needle move. But what women leaders started to do is they said, hey, we're not going to take no for an answer. We're not going to be stiff armed out. We can add value. We should be represented uh, in the board. And so they organized themselves. They came together. They built these coalitions and they amplified their voice and they pushed their way to the table. And now here in the United States, 30% of the S&P 500 uh, corporate directors are represented by, by female leaders. Um, and we're seeing a movement now for more um, more ethnic and racial diversity on corporate boards as well. You know, we're pushing the digital diversity agenda forward, you know, and cyber is a part of the broader digital agenda. So we gotta get organized, we gotta push, we gotta take a formal approach to uh, fixing this problem. Yeah, I love it. Um, Just the push for diversity in general and uh, just having that different voice, uh, whether it's technical skill or, you know, professional skill, whatever it might be, bringing that sort of different voice um, to the boardroom. Uh, So I... It, it sort of blends into my next question because I was interested, you know, uh, talking about your book, uh, you recommend not only leadership read the book, but employees, personnel, um, you know, a- anybody sort of read this book. Uh, do you feel like there's a gap, um, and Chris sort of touched on this a little bit, but between the awareness of how risk impacts the business at the practitioner level, um, you know, and would you re- encourage junior and senior personnel to to read the book as well and, and get a better idea of uh, of, of what that means? Yeah, yeah. The, the book's really about systems thinking, and it's about the complex system, uh, the complex digital business system primarily, but the complexity uh, of systems that exist all around us, all the human-made systems that we've created. So it's really about complex system science and how we bring that to, to business and to the boardroom. So yeah, every employee is a part of that system, and every employee is a critical part of the cybersecurity system. If you look at Equifax, uh, the story that uh, some of the insiders from Equifax will tell you is, um, you know, that that was some very simple breaches, expired digital certificates uh, of vulnerability, uh, you know, with with a critical part of of their their architecture uh, that they were on top of, that they were um, they were patching very quickly. But then that discovered that led to some other vulnerabilities. Uh, very simple vulnerabilities that then created this big, massive problem for them. And if they, if you listen to them describe it, they didn't approach it as a system. They, so people were doing their individual parts for the job, but those individuals didn't understand the importance of that job to the broader system of cybersecurity that the company needed to have in place uh, to really uh, govern and manage risk over time. So it's not, it starts at the leadership. It starts with the setting the tone at the top, the right cyber tone at the top, at the board and at the leadership level. But then every company needs to have, a high, every employee needs to have a heightened awareness and appreciation for their role in the broader system. Yeah, I love that uh, that it starts from the highest level, but it also goes all the way from the ground up, right? Understanding yeah. across the entire organization. And I wanted to flip things around a little bit. I asked you, you know, for cybersecurity professionals looking to get into these positions, I asked you for recommendations. If I'm a board or, or a publicly traded company or an organization that's looking at this requirement and I now need to meet it, you know, one, 
how do I understand, like, you know, you talked about this in the course and the book, if I'm not mistaken, the digital savviness that that brings value to the boardroom for one. And also, like, where do I begin? How do I start to look for a cybersecurity professional that's a good fit for my organization, my industry? You know, where do organizations start on that search? Yeah, well, uh, the, the easy answer to that, the layup that you're giving me is, you know, come to us and we'll introduce you to the 700 plus members of Digital Directors Network who are always who have already raised their hands and have always said, I want to be a part of, of this solution. That's, that's part of what we wanted to bring to the table. We wanted to curate the supply, recognizing that the demand would be there at some point in the, in the future and then provide that supply uh, into that demand. And they, you know, they've got to take an approach, um, you know, the way the boards and the NOM and gov committees go about finding board candidates. It's a lot of who do we know that has this skill, this capability, this aptitude, you know, they, they can go out into the formal search world. There are firms, that do a very good job from an executive search perspective, but they, they want a broad candidate pool. Those, those search firms typically don't have a candidate pool in, in this skill and this capability in this domain. Uh, so it becomes one of who do we know? Uh, who do the other directors know? So that goes back to you and your efforts to network and to leverage into the, to the board community to make sure you're known. And, you know, we wanted to facilitate that. We wanted to be the market maker uh, to, to, bring tech executives, tech leadership to the boardroom and to uh, the demand side of this problem. So the, the demand side also needs to uh, take a different approach to finding skilled, capable, caliber, high cal quality, high caliber um, director candidates for, for this need. And think about what the need's going to be. There's like 5,000 listed companies here just in North America. So if you look at just we need a cyber expert, we need to check the box underneath the, the new proposed SEC rules. Who's our cyber expert? Nobody's going to want to sign up to being the cyber expert if you haven't actually cut into this body before, right? I, I always tell people, you know, if I were to sit on a hospital board, that doesn't make me a doctor. You know, I, I haven't cut into a patient. I'm not a medical doctor, right? They want people that have cut into this issue before, you know, folks like you, Chris, Nikki, like you with your, your double doctorate that, that understand this at depth, right? They, they want people that have lived this before. Um, so they got to, uh, you know, take a different approach to finding those candidates. Yeah, I, I think that's a really great point too to to bring up that the the skills are you know they they need to be varied, right? It, it can be a mix of technical skills and um, communication, understanding the business. It sort of needs to be you know across span different areas. Um, I wanted to take it back. We were having the conversation about solar winds and, and Equifax, and this idea of that you know risk is really bigger than one vulnerability or two vulnerabilities yeah. or a secure configuration by itself. Um, but it really has a number of definitions um, for risk management. So uh, I'm, I'm interested specifically in how you define risk management. And uh, do you think that there's a need to define and identify risk a little bit better uh, within organizations? Definitely, there's a need to identify systemic risk uh, much more effectively than we are. And systemic risk is really the risk that exists between the parts of a complex system. The, uh, the way we define risk is, is a very simple definition. Risk is just the variance to an expected outcome, right? And we, we build these systems, we build these digital environments to create value within businesses in some way, shape, or form. So let's build an e-commerce platform. Let's reach new markets through, through online um, you know, mechanisms. Let's uh, improve, improve employee productivity with new communications and collaboration tools. Let's uh, improve customer convenience, customer choice through, through these type of digital technologies. So if we reduce the risk to that system achieving its outcome, we've improved 
the, the value of that outcome. So it's really just variance to, to an expected outcome, right? So we've built these systems to create business value in some way, shape or form. And the whole cybersecurity effort is just reducing risk of the system achieving what we, what we designed and built it to do. So, so from a risk management perspective, we need to get much better at identifying systemic risks to that system. That's, that's, we're not changing ERM with this stuff. We're just changing the way that people think through risk and think through systemic risk. Yeah, I actually wanted to ask you a question about the systemic risk. You talk about this a good deal in the book is, you know, we live in this this really highly complex, interconnected, dynamic environment where we have massive supply chains. You know, all these organizations are interconnected, business partners, suppliers, consumers, et cetera. You know, how do organizations start to think about systems of systems, you know, yeah. and, and systemic risk and rather than like in the context of a single, you know, a system or a machine, right, for example, or a server, but like broad, broad, you know, systems of systems, systemic risk in these in this modern uh, economy we're in. Yeah. And systemic risk isn't new. I mean, if you go back to the the, the infamous example that everybody can kind of relate to easily, it's the, the space shuttle Challenger, right? The, the small O-ring that, uh, you know, failed and, you know, created, uh, you know, caused the whole system to, to, to explode, basically. So that's systemic risk, right? So systemic risk isn't new. What's new is the levels of systemic risk. We've created these massively complex systems that are so interconnected and intertwined now, uh, and we haven't stopped to, to think about the risk. And so what happens is when the system starts to fail and we don't understand risk within the system, there, there's two there's two there's two tools you have in your toolkit. Uh, you can either ignore the risk and let's just see what happens and take our chances, or you can shut down the system. That's those are the only tool, tools that leaders have when they don't understand systemic risk and the system starts to, you know, spiral out of control. Colonial pipeline, uh, you know, so they have they have a ransomware attack. Uh, within an hour and a half, um, uh, they shut down a pipeline. They shut down their operating pipeline because they didn't understand how risk was going to jump from the information system to the operating system. And so the CEO went to the, you know, he got in front of the Wall Street Journal and he said, we didn't understand our risk environment. So we shut it down. We shut the system down, which, which effectively for the for the for the ransomware uh, uh, attackers did the work for them, right? They didn't have to to to, to build some type of uh, uh, attack that shut them down. They just had to scare them into shutting themselves down, and they still got paid, right? So, so it was a, it's a very uh, you know powerful tactic from from an attacker's mindset perspective. And we saw that with Bridgestone and Toyota as well. They shut their factories down a couple of weeks ago because they had an information security breach and they didn't understand the risk environment and how that risk was going to jump over into their operating environment. That's systemic risk, right? We've created this very complex world. And it's necessarily complex because we have a billion people on the planet, uh, but we haven't figured out how to how to control or understand those risks yet. Yeah, cybersecurity aside, I just want to say, like, I think it's really fascinating and and terrifying to see like how you know one incident can have a ripple cascading effect across yeah. society. Uh, it's really terrifying. Uh, one yeah, thing Chris, one point to that. So, so you know, and systemic risk is different than cyber risk. So, cyber risk is is the active threats to the system. Systemic risk is the inherent risk that exists in all complex systems, right? So there's a level of inherent risk that comes with complexity. And the attackers have figured out that let's turn the system against itself and have it do our our work for us. And, you know, now we need to get better at, at, at protecting and understanding that system. 
Yeah, I think I think we're definitely uh, increasingly realizing that for sure. Um, one quick question uh, before I throw it over to you, Nikki, as well, if I could, you know, at, it's great that we're seeing this push, you know, from the SEC to require this kind of uh, expertise in the boardroom. Uh, but, you know, part of me and I hate to think like this, but, you know, part of me wonders, you know, how do we ensure it like that organizations are actually empowering these individuals to you know, carry out those roles and responsibilities versus just kind of doing it as a check the box activity, you know, uh, and to say, oh, well, we had cyber in the boardroom, you know, we were good, we met the requirement. Uh, any thoughts around you know, how, how organizations actually position these individuals to be effective and, and empower them, you know, to come in and, and really make an impact? Yeah, well, it starts with, you know, having real levels of cyber expertise in the board. What we saw happen with 20 years ago, this is the 20th anniversary of Sarbanes-Oxley this year, right? So uh, what happened when there was when there was financial expertise introduced into the boardroom totally changed the accountability of, of the management teams to this, this new essential regulator at the governance level, at the corporate board level, once there was somebody that understood these issues. And it, it was, frankly, it was the Full Employment Act for, for the big four accounting firms, my firm. We literally drove billions of dollars of services, software, uh, uh, other help to companies because it formalized and it changed how they approached financial reporting, financial controls, uh, enterprise risk. The COSO framework, PwC took a lead role in, in writing the COSO framework and supporting the COSO organization, that whole enterprise risk management framework. So, so once we get the real people in the room that understand this at depth, uh, it's going to change the the industry. It's going to change the, the the cyber industry and the technology industry once it moves beyond cyber and we start to understand data, information architecture, emerging technologies, right? Once once we understand IT operations differently. Um, so, so the technology industry should be behind this, uh, you know, full bore, right? They should want people like you on corporate boards and they should be ad advocating and advancing uh, this this governance capability. They, they, not all of them, but most of them haven't woken up to that. Most of the tech industry still doesn't appreciate uh, the strategic value of, of transforming and reforming corporate governance. Some do. There's a small group of leaders that we work with that understand this issue, but uh, the vast majority of, of the major tech firms still don't get it. Yeah, it sounds like it's a uh, it's a work in progress. <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll get there someday. Um, but yeah, I had I actually had a question before I take you to our last question, um, and uh, saw Henry in the chat mention this as well. The um, understanding sort of the human element, the human component of this, this has really come out a lot more in cybersecurity and in the tech industry too. Talking about how do uh, the people fit into the people process and technology. So, um, what are your thoughts on that about? you know, improving sort of this visibility or understanding of how humans, you know, affect the systems or, or utilize the systems uh, within these, you know, really complex organizations. Yeah, well, it, it's perfect. Right? People are the ultimate systemic uh, uh, part of, of every complex digital business system. By definition, each part is unique and their behaviors are unique with, with the, the hardware and the software that are also parts of the system. So when you look at things systemically, it's, it's people, it, it's the hardware, it's the software, um, it's the data types, the data elements, it's, it's the component parts of the complex digital business system. And people are such a vulnerability because every individual is a unique part of that system. And there are so many people that have to interact with the system, not just from, a, from an operational standpoint, 
to build, design, and support the system. But every individual that has to interact with the system is also a point of vulnerability, which is why it's so successful uh, for attackers to, to attack that individual as a point of vulnerability because they're all unique by definition. So yeah, if you, if you leave people behind, uh, you know, you're, you're, you've got a critical weakness from a systemic uh, risk management perspective. Um, so yeah, that's, that's table stakes. Yeah. Yeah. Could not agree more. Um, well, before I take you to our last question, um, is there anything that you wanted to bring attention to our audience? Anything you got going on that you wanted to share? Yeah, I would just encourage, encourage the audience to uh, to get engaged and get involved uh, on this issue. Uh, the, the demand with the proposed SEC rules uh, will far exceed what we have as our, our small pool of, of, of supply right now. Uh, your help is needed. This will be table stakes at the governance level. There were 5,000 public companies in North America. There were millions of private companies that also need this help. And we see a cascading from when the SEC regulates things into the private sector. So uh, this is a leadership moment and we need to step up to the leadership opportunity and be prepared and, and help um, you know these companies solve this problem. Yeah, I love it. Um, okay, so our last question, uh, what does cyber resilience mean to you? Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go Zen on you now. I'm gonna I'm gonna say um, so. I spent ten years in in Asia and ten years in in Tokyo. Uh, and uh, you know, re resiliency. You know, there's a stock and there's a flow to resiliency. And I'm gonna I'm sure with you kind of an ancient Japanese proverb. You know, the bamboo that bends is stronger than the oak that resists. Right. Re resiliency has has a stock. We've got to be adaptive in the moment uh, to to risks, but we've also got to be uh, fluid. Uh, to the constantly changing risk environment. So my final thought is be like bamboo. Bend, don't, but don't break. I love it. Bend, yeah. don't yeah. break. Yeah, I love it. Well, thank you so much, Bob, for, for joining us. And thank you for everyone that tuned in. We had about 50 folks listening live, which is really awesome. And uh, everyone definitely check out the book. Uh, there were some questions about the book title. Uh, it's called The Great Reboot here. Uh, you can find it on Amazon as, other, as well as other places, I'm sure. And, and as I said, thank you so much for joining us, Bob. Thanks for having me, Chris. Uh, great to talk, Nikki. Yeah, Take thank care. you very much. Have a good day, everybody. Cheers.